transitioning over to Brooks kind of made sense at the time though because I where I was at after 2021 I, I was looking for a more just complete like team overall training with the college guys was fun and all but it's completely different again I, I truly believe everyone's beatable on any day like no one's untouchable no one's perfect no one can win every single race so having that mindset I think has helped me just be, be fearless and go into some of these bigger meets and just you know not stress about it and just have fun and compete I think for a while people thought that the men's 800 in the U.S. was kind of weak um, or wasn't that deep but um, I think starting my freshman year with uh, Donovan coming out and running 143 at NCAAs and breaking the NCAA record um, from then on out it was just kind of it was it was a blood a bloodbath I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black two. redeem myself on that one because the last real, episode man. i was coughing i was coughing i was struggling but i'm also just i'm also generally definitely excited because we got somebody we've been trying to get on for a minute now man no yeah this one's gonna be really really special like y'all know we always talk about it we love the 800 we always love to talk about the 800 so to get a guy on that's an 800 meter specialist that does the eight it's always gonna be a fun time but before we get to it too aaron i gotta say this here on the podcast for everybody listening on apple podcast spotify or apple podcast really and if you're listening on watching on youtube like bro we're almost to 10k subscribers you feel me like we're at 9,800. Like, come on, y'all. Y'all need to help us out real quick. We need like 200 people that get subscribed, you know? Leave a review, leave a rating. I know y'all like the show. Share it with somebody. But let's get to 10K on YouTube. Let's get these ratings up on Apple Podcasts because we, we want to jump to the next level. Just like our man right here that we got on the podcast trying to get to the next level. He was just at the 2017, not 2017, my bad. He was just at the World Indoor Championships in 800, doing an amazing job in the final and everything like that. The man was going beast mode. He's a Penn State legend in the 800. You feel me? NCAA legend in the 800, doing his thing. Now a Brooks Beast, the NCAA champion in the 800 back in 2018 and 2017 Team USA member for the World Championships, Isaiah Harris is on the podcast joining us now. Aaron, I'm sorry if you didn't get your other introductory things too, but I was just excited, <laughs> bro. Like this man really trying to get to the next level and he really about to be there. Isaiah, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. Appreciate you guys for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, Joshua, that was, you really, you really went in on that intro there. But Joshua, you talked about like, yeah, about Isaiah getting to that next level, but bro, like, we were looking at you and you like, since you were a freshman, you've always found yourself in the final um, at NCAAs or you're always in contention. Even at the trials, just getting fourth place, I feel like you're overlooked, but you're always in there, always battling, always competing um, with the front. Yeah, um, I think that's something that I learned early on in college. My coach always tried to just instill in us to just compete he never really wanted us to worry about times he said you know the times will come if you place well your times will come so from uh from freshman year and on it's just been kind of instilled in me to to stick my nose in every race and try to win every race and i go into every race with the confidence that i can win and that everyone's beatable so um yeah when i get out there it's just you know try to win it's funny, like to say that the the fact of like everyone's beatable is that's a great mentality to have, like say the least. But to go and do it against like you were doing this against some of well, you have been doing it for a while and definitely in college against some of like the best NCAA 800 meter runners of like all time. You're always in some of like those hot races and you're coming out winning on top next to like Emmanuel Career, Michael Cerrone, Brandon McBride, I think for a year, Marco Arop. 
uh, Donovan Brazier as well. Just how was it back in those days? And now those are like the people you're racing on the world stage as well, trying to get on Olympic teams or to compete at the world championships and everything. Yeah, it's kind of crazy if you look back at like the talent that was in the NCAA at the same time in the 800. I think for a while, people thought that the men's 800 in the U.S. was kind of weak um, or wasn't that deep. But um, I think starting my freshman year with uh, Donovan coming out and running 143 at NCAAs and breaking the NCAA record, um, from then on out, it was just kind of it was it was a blood a bloodbath. So, um, yeah, like you said, Big Brad was there, Donovan was there, Hoppel was there, Arup was there, Career, Saruni, me, so many people that you are now seeing in like World Championship finals and Olympic finals. Clayton, I forgot to mention Clayton, but yeah, yeah it's just it, it's unreal. And um, I mean, the NCAA record was held for fifty years before Donovan broke it, and then it got broken three years in a row. So yeah, that's crazy. I think the the bar got raised and everyone kind of stepped stepped it up. And that's kind of how everything's been going in the sport the past few years, anyways, with, across like every event. Um, but yeah, it was deep. And I mean, I feel like I had to kind of have that mentality, or else, you know, if you go into the race thinking that someone's untouchable, someone's unbeatable, you kind of lose before you even start. So um, yeah, I think the biggest like time where I guess maybe I was the underdog or wasn't expected to win was the time that I won nationals in 2018 and Saruni had broken the collegiate record that year and he was clearly the favorite, but I just was like, I, I know how he races. I kind of rewatched our indoor race where he, he made a big move on me and like kind of caught me off guard. And I, well, I thought to myself, like, if he tries to do that again, like I'm, I'm just going to go and like, you know, yeah. challenge him and see what happens. And it paid off. So again, I, I truly believe everyone's beatable on any day. Like no one's untouchable. No one's perfect. No one can win every single race. So having that mindset, I think has helped me just be, be fearless and go into some of these bigger meets and just, you know, not stress about it and just have fun and compete run well. Yeah, and what I think is crazy about that, and like your story in particular, it's like you ran 145 as a freshman, like, and we know Donovan went crazy that year too, but it's just like 145 as a freshman is incredible. And then 2017, you end up making a world team, and then by 2018, you're NCAA champion. So I feel like people, Donovan was doing so great, maybe that people were just like, oh, that's whatever. Cause like, honestly, you probably could have went pro as like a freshman or or a sophomore but you kind of like kind of like took your took your time and even like you stayed with like your Penn State coach for a while now you're transitioning over to Brooks is why was that always kind of been like your plan did you just want to like make sure you finished school or you were really happy with the environment you were in um I mean running professionally wasn't an initial like goal of mine uh going into college things kind of just kept progressing and I kept getting better. And then um, I guess going into my junior year, I kind of realized that it could be a possibility. Um, but yeah, I think I was a little overlooked in the beginning just because like, like you said, Donovan was crushing it at the time and just doing things that no one has done before. And um, yeah, I finished sixth at the trials my freshman year. Um, I made every single USA final that I was in or raced at. So um, I think I had good credentials. Um, so yeah, when when it came time to to like look at going pro after my junior year and winning NCAAs, it was kind of a no-brainer. And sticking with my college coach made sense just because I did want to finish school. Um, so when I when I signed with Nike, they allowed me to to finish my last year of school and Things have been working for me with my coach. I didn't see a reason to switch it up. The Olympics were coming up, so I wanted to kind of just stay with my college coach through then, um, just to keep as much the same as possible. And then from there on, I was going to, like, plan on exploring new options. Um, obviously, COVID pushed the Olympics back a year, so I stayed around mm -hmm. a year longer than I had originally planned, but it was fine. It was a great setup. 
Um, Gondak's by far one of the best 800 meter coaches in the country. I stand by that statement. Um, yeah, things were great. So transitioning over to Brooks kind of made sense at the time though. Cause I, where I was at after 2021, I, I was looking for a more just complete like team overall training with the college guys was fun and all, but it's completely different um, than being on a professional team. You know, they're, they're all training for conference meets, regionals and nationals. And that's just a lot earlier than I'm trying to peak. So towards the end of the year, I was just doing a lot of work by myself. And I, I mean, I can do it, but it, I just don't enjoy it as much. Like I like having teammates there to push me, hold me accountable. And it just makes the grind that much more fun. So when I was, um, looking at different contract options. Brooks was just, you know, super enticing just because of the the depth they had on the middle distance side and Danny's success with coaching 800 runners and 1500 meter runners. I mean, I just kind of looked back at how the team did last year and saw the progression of everyone on the team. Um, Brandon Kidder got fifth at the trials. He ran 144 and he was barely running by like, I think it was, April he like had just got gotten off of a knee surgery so the fact that he progressed that quickly just was super impressive to me um yeah so it made it made a lot of sense and it was kind of a no-brainer for me to to look at training with Danny and things worked out and I'm, I'm super happy that I chose Brooks and so far you know no complaints things are going well I've been feeling really good despite my one hiccup with the uh the hamstring tear but that's just kind of a freak thing that you know, it, it, it would have happened no matter where I was at. So other than that, I just kind of look at how I've been feeling in practice, how I was feeling in my races indoors. I'm like, I've never felt this good while racing. So it's exciting to me. The future is really exciting. And yeah, I can't I can't wait for USA's. Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be hype. And but let's go to that hamstring, Terry, real quick. Because I think there's a lot we could have gone from there, going from Brandon Kidder back to Penn State and joining Penn, Penn, mm-hmm. uh, even the Brooks Beast. But some people may not know that this dude was at the world. You're at the world indoor championships, Belgrade, Serbia earlier this year in 800. And what, wait, what did you finish at world indoors in, in the eight? I finished seventh. Finished seventh. You had a really yeah. good season leading up to that. We saw you at the Lilac Grand Prix when you ran that 600 and then he getting second at the USA's in the 800 as well. Back up, back up there in Spokane and everything. But you went out there, ran the four by four. And the and the that was in the semifinal or the prelim, you would call it, mm-hmm. and then tearing your hamstring, but you still went out there, finished the race, getting a lot of praise after that, too. Just just gritting that out just after that, still like 150 meters left in the race and finishing that. But just what was that kind of experience like? Because just watching it on a screen, you could tell that just like just knowing that like a hamstring tear happened or something like that, just, I couldn't imagine running through, running through something like that and be able to push through it as something, something different, you know? Yeah. I mean, looking back, I'm like mad at myself for finishing, (laughs) but in the moment it was just kind of like, I don't know, you just do what you like have been doing. That's just run and finish the race. So like in my mind, I just, I feel like it, my instincts were to just go. I also felt like, um, I didn't want to be the guy to like let the team down. Um, yeah. I know like had they made the final, they would have won gold. And that's kind of, that was on my mind as well. It's just like do enough to like get them into the final. Um, unfortunately they were the first team out just like, I think it was like half a second that they didn't make the final. So I was kind of bummed about that, but like, I mean, I talked to Donovan and the other guys on the relay after and none of them were like upset. They're just like, you know, how are you doing? Like, get better and like we appreciate your effort um but yeah that was kind of just a freak thing I was running I felt so good um during the race I felt fine before there was no like indicators that anything was wrong or off um just as soon as I try to make my move to pass the guy up front of me I felt like a little pop in my hamstring and then I just realized I couldn't put like all my weight down on that leg and I was just like fuck that that's not good um, but yeah, my, my instinct was just finish the race, like cross the line, like do enough to like get them to the final. Um, it was, it ended up being like a grade two tear. I got, um, ultrasounds mm. done after, um, I immediately got like PRP in the hamstring, which definitely sped up the recovery. And then 
we have a team athletic trainer who just like helped me so much. She had a, a great plan set up just day by day, like, you know, the exercises, the mobility, all the little things that I needed to do just to like get me back on track so that I could be racing again this outdoor season. Because at first I was unsure. I was like, well, this could be the end of yeah. the year, you know, like outdoors comes quick. Um, USA's isn't too far away. Like if I can't train too hard, like, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to be ready, but um, yeah, our trainer was great. She got me back to running. You know, I started off slow. I was doing three minute jogs with a minute walk for like 15 minutes. And it was just, you know, I, it sucked, but it was all I could do to like stay in shape. And, you know, I biked as much as I could just trying to do anything to like maintain some fitness. Cause like I said, I was, I was fit indoors and it was, I was feeling really good. So I wanted to like keep that, that fitness there and not lose it too much. Um, but yeah, after a few weeks, I'm not exactly sure like how many weeks it was before I started like, you know, going on some real runs again, I realized like, I, I, I'm not like, I didn't lose too much. It hasn't been too long since I've been jogging. So the body felt pretty good. And luckily like the, the healing process was like super, just like textbook. It, it healed up yeah. how it should. There was no like hiccups where, you know, there was a moment where I thought, Oh, I might've messed it up more by going too hard. Like, I think we like perfectly planned that like rehab and, you know, everything went smoothly. So it was good. And then the past few weeks, I've just had no pain in it at all. I haven't had to think about it. And, um, talking to some other people that have had like hamstring issues and stuff, they've said that like the hardest part of like the recovery is just like getting over that mental, um, step of like, you know, you're, you're, you're a little timid to, to push it because you don't want to like test it. You know what I mean? So look at James Harden, bro, uh, you said, yeah. look at James Harden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, once we had, we had this one workout, I think it was the week before Mount Sac and we had a 400 at the end of the workout and I ran 50 point and I was like, okay, like that to me was like the final, like um thing that i realized like okay i can run race pace and you know my hamstring's not going to hurt before during or after and just go out there and race and don't worry about it so yeah things are looking really good now um i've had some good workouts i feel like i have enough time to to get to where i need to be before usa's um come so yeah i'm excited shout out to that trainer though like getting kidder yeah. back off of just training from April to 144. So yeah. sure you're in good hands. What's it like too is just like having that support system of all of your teammates. Cause yeah, Brandon Kidder's a former teammate of you of you too, Nia Atkins as well. And then um Devin Dixon, you know, someone used to race against a lot. So having yeah. having those people around you, how much did that help you mentally coming back? Yeah, it goes back to like what I was saying about like why I wanted a team like you have that talent around you and it kind of just like pushes you to the next level. Like, I mean, when I couldn't run, I was still at the workouts, just like watching the team crush workouts. Like Nia was super fit. Brandon was crushing workouts. Drew was looking good. Josh was looking good. So it kind of just, you know, like it keeps me in the zone, like mentally, it keeps me engaged. I like see elite level athletes working hard and it's like motivates me to like get back to that point. Cause it's fun when you're fit and you can like crush those workouts. So um, yeah, having, having those people around you and like, you know, they hold you accountable. Like I said, like, make sure you're, you're doing those little things, like those annoying stretches a few times a day that it's just like, you know, some people might slack. So having, having people around you to like, just keep you, keep you accountable definitely helps. And our trainer, Sarah, yeah, she, she's great. Like, like you were saying, she got, she got Brandon back. She's kept the whole team healthy throughout our altitude camp. She works really hard. So definitely appreciate her shout out to sarah um but yeah yeah and i remember too like you guys the brooks beast is definitely when someone does like well like it seems like people you guys are always really hyped definitely if you're at the meet like there's a lot of congratulations that's just a good camaraderie to have like i remember when ali buhowski when she ran what did she run was it last year i like the 10 or some sound running oh, yeah. meet when she hit like the fifth, when she hit like the five nice. K standard, ran like fifteen oh seven or something like that. Like everybody was so excited for her. Then, like you were just saying, Nia, when she hit that one fifty eight, 
I wasn't at that meet, but I know just seeing off of Instagram and everything, people were super hyped and just to see what they're doing. And Aaron was definitely preaching last year that uh, Brooks Beast, like, dang, they're, they're, the, they're the deepest mid-distance team in the U.S., maybe in the world. So it's happy to see that you're on the team. Everything is, like, going well because yeah, every single year it gets, like, better and better and better, especially with Josh Kerr placing third last year at the Olympics. So the sky really is the limit. But I want to know this, too. Like, wait, oh, like you grew up in Maine? Like, that's where, that's where you lived? Yeah. Isn't that, like, the second <laughs> smallest state, like, in the country? Or something? Probably. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> how, how was that in, in Maine? Um, Growing up in Maine, I never liked it. But as soon as I left for college, I started to miss it. Um, And now, like, I appreciate it. But it it is small. There's not a lot of people. My town wasn't, like, terribly small. It wasn't like I was in a town of, like, a thousand people. There was still, like, 40,000. And we had, like, a twin city that had like another 40,000 so like there was people around but I think just like you know the the development sport programs and stuff like that as as a kid aren't as great as like you know some other states where you have all these people and all this money so things are just a little bit different I mean there's no professional sports team there Mm -hmm. like and I, I obviously I grew up loving sports I played like every sport I could um so I think that's kind of why I didn't enjoy it. I felt like I just didn't have like enough. I don't know. I, I saw all these like these AAU programs for basketball in these other states, like going to all these pool tournaments and yeah. stuff. I'm like, why can't we do that? So, but other than that, it's like a beautiful state. Um, I definitely want to have like a summer house there one day. And mm-hmm. um, it's a good place to like raise a family. There's there's no crime. Well, there's crime, but it's it's not bad there's it's pretty good weather if you can survive the the long winter um i'm a little dumb with snow but other than that yeah it's not bad speaking of just like the the sports programs too like what drew you you obviously just mentioned basketball so was that the first thing that you're really thinking about and then i like what drew you to track and field like in, in in maine was like your team real good or something like that or what what drew you to the sport no so my like godfather basically he was a runner he was um we used to all think he was crazy he he would go run every single morning and like people kind of just knew him around town it was like they just always see this guy running um but he he kind of got me my brother and sister into doing like summer track as kids and obviously our parents were or my parents were fine with that because you know they want to they want the kids to be tired out and like sleep yeah. at night so kind of just started off doing that for fun um i don't i don't really remember my times back then but i don't think it was anything special um when i got a little bit older towards like middle school i like took time off of doing track and like was playing baseball um but yeah basketball was kind of like the the main sport i wanted to focus on and when I got to high school, um, my sophomore year, I was like, well, I want to stay in shape in the off season. Like, let me go back to to track. On top of that, uh, my godfather, who I was just telling you about, he like, he'd been trying to like bribe me and my brother to like get back into like track and cross country anyways. Mm-hmm. And this was like around the time where I had just gotten my license and like really wanted a car. And I'll help you like get a car if you do cross country because I guess he saw potential in in me and my brother. So I was like, all right, um, sophomore year, joined the cross country team, stopped playing football and ended up like doing pretty well that year. Um, I think I ran like 1630 or something and our team got second at state. So it was, it was pretty cool. And I just ended up like enjoying like the the team atmosphere atmosphere of uh cross country so then obviously uh winter came played basketball outdoor season came and joined the track team and ended up winning states and it was kind of just like a shock like i i didn't know i was good at track i did not expect that to to go like that and um after the state meet like the university of maine coach came up to like my high school coach and was like like when when you're ready, like we'd offer Isaiah a full scholarship to University of Maine. And at the time, that was like the first thing I had like heard about, like going to college. I don't think it was really like on my mind at that time. 
So it was like, it was pretty cool to like have that. And mm -hmm. once like my high school coach told me that he said that, I was like, all right, maybe I should like, you know, try a little bit harder and, and track and like start putting more like time and energy into it. So that my junior year, I started like, you know, actually doing all of my my runs that my coach would give me instead of uh, going to the field to play like ultimate frisbee with my team or like hey. running to my <laughs> friend's basement and playing 2k <laughs> when i'm supposed to be running so I, I started putting a little or taking it a little more serious and then um yeah that my junior year i started getting letters from like a bunch of different colleges or maybe it was beginning of no it was yeah end of junior year so I started getting a, a bunch of letters from uh, colleges and it was just like really cool to like see letters from Georgetown, Notre Dame, like all these schools that I would have never imagined going to. And uh, I, I kind of realized that track was gonna take me further than basketball or anything else would. So I really just started putting all of my my focus into doing well on track. And it's, it's taken me to places where I, again, never would have imagined like I, I, I didn't think about going pro. I just kind of took things step by step. I was like, all right, I'm going to college for this. And then from there, I started doing well. And I was like, all right, well, I can run professionally and, you know, get paid to do this. That's that's pretty cool. And now I just, I, I've learned to really enjoy track and enjoy running and competing. And I'm like really happy that things worked out the way that they did. I feel like that's like a very common thing when we bring people on and ask them about their, their story they always say that like a lot of them didn't think about going pro they kind of just focused were in the moment just taking everything like you know year year by year just trying to be the best they could they could year by year do you feel like that's something that's helped you in your career too yeah yeah i think there's definitely like some benefit to being like a little ignorant in the sport like some people mm -hmm. definitely overanalyze everything i mean even like i had some college teammates that you know every single race they're like looking at who's in their heat studying their yeah. prs like watching yeah. all of their races and sometimes i think it's almost better to just like not stress about that stuff and just go into the race and like compete and run your own race um so i think i had that type of like ignorance going in where i was just like okay like i've been doing well like i didn't really care about the sport too much to like do all this extra research and like it was working um i i obviously think there is some benefit once you get to this level to like you know knowing who you're racing against and kind of knowing like how people race but there's there's a line where like it can be detrimental and you are just overthinking things and like you stress yourself out so um yeah i think growing up being or having that that little ignorance and not really caring how did you know Penn State was like a good middle distance school when you signed up there? Or did you just go because like, you know, Penn State isn't Penn State. Is that a count as an Ivy or it's no, basically UPenn. UPenn's UPenn. Ivy. Okay. Yeah, okay people okay, get that okay. mixed up a lot though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, but Penn State's a huge I'll school. It. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'll no, like, it. <laughs> like that's a super good school. Did you, did you go there more for academics or did you know, like they were like basically 800 U? Um, well, I went on my visits. Um, so first I went to LSU and I was just like sick, like coming from Maine, like yeah, going that's to what I was about an to say. LSU that's football game was, yeah, it was sick. And I was like, all right, I'm going to this school, but I still had my other visits. Um, so then I went to, uh, UConn, which I liked as well. I liked the campus. I thought it was cool. Um, and I went to Georgetown and, it was a different vibe than the other schools, like smaller and like more like prestigious academically, but um, really good middle distance program. And then I went to Penn State and I felt like when I was on my visit at Penn State, I people say like you'll you'll know on your visits, like mm -hmm. what school is right for you. And I feel like that was actually true for me, like um, seeing the campus. It was like I wanted to go to a big school. I like the idea of like having like you know, every sports team is good or like, you know, competing for national championships or has a chance at making a national championship. Um, just coming from Maine, like I said, we had no pro sports team. So I wanted I wanted something completely different. So Penn State has that like their football games are sick. You know, 107,000 people in yeah. the stadium is just unreal. And then um, on top of that, like the academics there are 
no no hate on the SEC schools, but I think it's a lot better than than some of the other schools that I was looking at. So mm-hmm. to me, that was that was big. I didn't, um, you know, again, I wasn't planning on running professionally, so getting a good degree kind of mattered. Um, so yeah, and then once I kind of did my research on the team and like you know, Gondak told me about like Brandon, Kaz, like people that had been through the program who had run these fast times in the 800. Um, it was, it was just like a no brainer. I was like, I'll, I'll get the train with Brandon who I think the year before he had finished like third at nationals. So, um, to me, it was exciting. My, my college or high school coach told me not to go somewhere where you're going to be the best person, mm-hmm. like immediately, like, you know, you want people to push you. So Penn state made sense. And in, in the sense that I'd be able to train with Brandon and get that experience from someone who's been on the national scene and like run fast and was going to go pro. And he did. So, uh, yeah, it was overall just, just the perfect fit for me. So going into Penn state, you, you already mentioned earlier, like you were, that's where you f- kind of like learned, like you got to put yourself in the race and be able to race like these championship races. And I feel like with 800, the common term that you hear now every single time you get in, it's like hey run that third 200 like that's the key that's how you get it done now i don't want you to unveil your secrets you feel me i don't know who maybe who may be listening to this but is there another element to it like for you that may be the mentality side or something that you have to lock in into your race that makes you always kind of like there when it comes to like championship time because like you've proven time and time again like when you're there in the race you get there since your time at Penn State, was that something like you learned from training with Brandon or just your coach at Penn State or looking at other people racing or just going through your own experiences? What is that one, that one other thing besides running that third 200 or is that just too top secret for us to know? <laughs> no, there's no top secret information. Uh, I think for me, it was just from, from my coach telling me to compete and like stick my nose in every race was good. And then I feel like I got some good like international experience racing while I was young. Um, like I went to the NACAC U23 championships after my freshman year and that was down in El Salvador. And mm-hmm. that's like, that was my first time like competing for team USA and like leaving the country. So um, I was racing against, you know, all of like Central America and Canada and stuff and people from the U S and I won that. So that was like a good experience early on. And then um, making the world team my sophomore year got to go and, you know, experience the best of the world. So I think it was more so just getting that like experience versus the top guys at a young age that gave me the confidence that like any race I'm in, I can do well. Um, I think there's been races where I've been, you know, in the front of the race for most of the time and, and won. And then there's been races where, I was in the back at the bell lap and like how to come from the back. And when I think it's more important to just like keep that confidence in yourself during the race and like stay engaged mentally the whole time versus like if the race isn't planning or panning out the way that you kind of planned it to like some people, you know, they might have like a a mental lapse and like, just like zone out and like, you're still in it. So like, no matter how the race is going, like, I think you have to just have that confidence that you can, you can still win. And I think for me, it's just being in those scenarios and like having done it a few times, like now I can like go into every race and despite what's happening out front of me, like I, I try to run my own race and like focus on like how I'm feeling and like when I need to make a move and go. So I don't think there's really a secret of like, you know, you have to go at this point. Yes. It's like important to like, make that move at on the third 200 and close hard but like the race can go so many different ways and you have to just be confident that like no matter how it goes you can compete and Mm -hmm. and place well so yeah do you feel like uh i always see this too i feel like people that you know they start off playing basketball or like football or any other sport and then they come into track i always feel like they have like a little bit more of a like competitor mindset like they don't get caught up with like the times like you just want to go in there it's like yeah if you play if you're playing basketball of course you study film or whatever but you see that the man guarding you and you're like no i'm gonna beat him like i'm gonna beat him and get to the basket like regardless of the situation do you feel like that kind of mentality like helps you too yeah i 
I haven't actually thought about it like that, but I, I could see that being the case. Like it's definitely, um, it brings a different like mindset into the sport for sure. Um, yeah. Um, being, being on a team, like a basketball team or a football team is, is so different than, than, than track in a way, but there's also a lot of similarities and, um, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I don't. <laughs> was there any athletes that you? Kinda, what were what are athletes like outside of track? Like growing up, that you kind of like modeled after, or like you looked, are you looked up to? Like, who was your favorite basketball player? Who are your teams? Yeah, since you didn't uh, have any teams. Uh, was the Celtics or? <laughs> yes, I was a Celtics fan, and like just Boston, everything. Um, so, I, I mean, I was watching Paul Pierce, Rondo, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett and them on the Celtics and they were just dominating. So that was, that was a fun era watching them growing up. Um, I always loved Ray Allen just cause he mm-hmm. was just, I mean, he, he was a three point specialist. He was just shot. always, yeah. Like you could count on him to hit that big shot and um, come in clutch when you needed him. So um, yeah, I think, I think that killer mentality that like, you know, basketball players have or football players have like that can translate into the sport. And like, I, I, I honestly think that I, I bring that into the sport and I have that going into every race. Like when I step on the line, it's like, I'm going to beat these guys. Like you can have friends in the sport, but like when it comes down to like racing time, like there's, there's no friends. And it's like, it's me versus you. Like I'm going to beat you. Are you a Patriots fan too? Or are you, you a Tom Brady fan or? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Patriots fan. But to be honest, I don't I don't watch a lot of NFL. Um I, I like basketball a lot more, but I'm I'm a Patriots fan. Well, I think y'all are gonna do it, man. I think the I think Celtics are gonna win this. Oh, series. I thought you're talking about the Patriots, bro. I'm like, come on, no, man. not the <laughs> not the <laughs> Mac Jones talking like he in good shape or something though, but we we're gonna see. <laughs> you think the Celtics are gonna yeah. do it? I think they're gonna so. go to the finals. I think it's gonna be so I think they're gonna lose to the Warriors. I'm sorry, but I think they're gonna make it though. I think I think they're gonna make it as well, and I think if they make it, they they can beat the Warriors. They've been what? looking good, and I just respect that they're not. You know, the Warriors. I I can't respect them. I feel like I don't I don't respect the super team thing. I don't respect the move that they did when they when they bought KD. I don't like I I like Steph Curry. Uh, I like Clay Thompson, but like the Celtics, I feel like just did things the right way. Like they got Tatum, they built the team around him and like they don't have guys that were considered superstars and they're just like a fundamentally sound team and they play well together they have fun like i respect that a lot more what about jordan pool though like jordan pool is like homegrown now like that dude's a that dude's a dog for the warriors now yeah yeah i mean again like i'm not hating on the warriors i i like the guys but like i'm just i'm just a celtics fan man i want them to win I think it'd be, I think it'd be awesome. Uh, you just got hope. Wait, is Jimmy, is Jimmy still hurt? Is Jimmy Butler still hurt? Or um, No, he played, he played last game. He was, oh, just, okay. I think he was out for the second half of game oh, yeah, two. But yeah. Oh yeah. Is he, gonna play, is he going to play this? Yeah. If he, yeah. That's going to be it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think the Warriors definitely win it too, though. I think the Warriors definitely win. We'll see though. We'll see though. Jason Tatum. We'll see. Maybe he's going to step up, be a top five player. We'll, we'll see. But um, Joshua, before we, as we start to wrap up, I think we gotta we gotta take uh we gotta pay some bills and take them through the next stop organ segment. Yeah, man, because you already know what we're like seven, six weeks in that way now from the World Championships, which is crazy. Where this summer, two thousand of the world's best track and field athletes are gonna compete for titles at the world's first ever World Athletics Championships on U.S. soil. In preparation every week leading up, we're doing a next stop Oregon segment where we focus our attention to the world stage to really get y'all hyped to go to this event. Buy your tickets at worldchampsoregon22.com. But Isaiah, we have been asking every single athlete that we have on the show, what does your chance to compete at Oregon World Championships 22 really mean to you? Do you feel like Oregon 22 is your comeback, your redemption story? or a title defense, or just a journey to the top of the podium for the first time, just in your relation to that or something else, what do you feel like your story to world champs is for you? Yeah, I I look at it like it's my chance to kind of prove myself. I think I've been 
an underdog or whatever you want to call it for for a little too long um so i'm excited for a chance to to go out there make the team and and win a medal i i truly believe that i can do that i think it's been a long time coming and i think the way things have kind of built up this year like thing, things are going to go well there um so yeah and now adding a little drama with the hamstring thing i just think it, it adds to the story a little bit and will make it that much more exciting when when i do it so super excited i think being in the u.s is is good it's going to be unreal like the fans that come out to to oregon and are around there just the best in the world so it's gonna be it's gonna be loud it's gonna be crazy it's gonna be fast like people are gonna put down some some insane times i'm sure um yeah it's gonna it's gonna be crazy that home home field advantage is definitely gonna play a part so super excited and i think it's a moment for me to kind of show people that you know i belong on the stage and i deserve to be there and i can win a medal Seeing, you know, you were just at World Championships indoor. Um, we saw the Olympics last year. What do you feel like? It was weird not not having Donovan in it almost. And like, do you feel like there's a favorite in the 800 right now? Or do you feel like the field is wide open? Also, I was looking like at the Olympics, like that was one of the slower, slower, more tactical races that we've seen in a while in the eight, like, where do you think we're really at with eight, the 800? Um, I think right now the talent in the US and in the world is probably like some of the best it's ever been, definitely in the US. Um, but I do feel like it's also pretty wide open um, going into USA's. No one's really done anything super impressive this year. Um, I think some people might be a little banged up. Some people's season have already come and gone, you know, they they <laughs> burnt their match a little too early. So I, yeah, I think it's going to be a battle of the top three that people predict might not even, you know, like it could be a complete different top three um, finishing at USA's. And obviously Donovan's got the, the auto bid, which is um nice we get four people at worlds this year so that's big but um yeah it's it's gonna be fun it's gonna be interesting i think it's definitely like gonna be a fun race for for people to to bet on or choose a choose a three because it could be anyone it really could be anyone yeah and i seen you you were about that smoke on on your ig story the other week when hayward magic had you versus isaiah julie you're all like i saw this because i don't know emoji Hey, they they voted against. Wait, did they vote against you? I don't know. You, you, you put yeah, they voted against me. That's what I'm saying, man. Like I, <laughs> I think I've just been counted out. I'm. It's whatever to me. I I just laugh at it, and it, it kind of just gives me a little bit of extra motivation. Um, like again, that was my first race back off of a hamstring injury, and I feel like I beat some good people. So, um, my confidence is is very high right now, and I, I can't wait for USA's. I think, like I said, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, man, y'all need to be go see that at, at USA's, watch that on TV, then let's go see and be part of history when Isaiah is at World Championships at Hayward Field at the University of Oregon, July 15th through the 24th. I got the dates now, July 15th through the 24th. <laughs> Get your tickets now at worldchampsoregon2022.com. It, it's it's going to be it's going to be super, super exciting just having worlds in the U.S. and everything. And as we were speaking earlier, we know you're a big sports fan and everything. Have you became just how is your your relationship with just like the sport of running, becoming like a fan and just like a student of the game in the sense kind of changed over time as you got in more into the sport since high school and everything? Have you became just a really big fan? Really, that's what I'm really yeah. asking. Yeah, no. Like I said, I had that ignorance when I was young. I didn't pay attention to the sport. I kind of just I just ran. Um, but as I got older, I started to like be be more of a fan of the sport. You know, I started following more races. I started watching other events other than the 800. I started like learning the people. And now like I like I love the sport so much and I feel like I'm a huge fan. I feel like I know like a good amount about the sport. I, I like to watch every single event. I've watched every single meet that I can. Like I've become pretty much an, a track nerd and it's, it's hard not to become yeah. a track nerd once you get <laughs> to this point but yeah no I, I love the sport so it's definitely been I've come a long ways um from knowing absolutely nothing to 
to now just following, you know, I'll watch the steeplechase. I know he's good in the steeplechase. I watch the 5K. Like, I watch the men's. I watch the women's races. It doesn't matter. I just, I like watching track. What what storyline, like, has you most intrigued right now? You got, like, Abby Steiner versus Favorite Philly. You got Shakari coming back, Ariane Knighton, and Grant Holloway. All these, like, what particularly thing, like, excites you most right now about uh, track and field? Yeah, I mean, there's so many good matchups coming this year. Um, I think Arian Knighton is pretty, like, it's pretty special. Like, for him to be so young and doing what he's doing, I think it's going to be cool to see how he pans out over the next few years. I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping that, you know, he goes on to be the best ever. That'd be unreal. Um, but, yeah, I, I also think the 400 hurdles with Rye and Carson, that battle last year was just sick. Um, crazy. So I think Insane. it's it's cool that they're only racing a few times this year and it's at big meets. I, I think that adds a little bit of more drama to it instead mm -hmm. of them, you know, facing up every week. Um, so, you know, every time they, they do go against each other, something special is about to happen. Um, obviously, I got to root for Rye, you know, I want the, the U.S. Yeah. to do well, but uh, that that's going to be a good matchup. Um, Shakari, Shakari's, she's Shakari, you know, that, that whole thing last year was just she blew up. She's a real celebrity now. Um, so it's kind of cool to, to have someone of that level in the sport. It's definitely good for the sport. So um, I'm hoping she does well too this year, but the, the woman's hundred is, is deep. I was going to ask you too, how's, how's the dog doing, bro? Like how is he enjoying the transition <laughs> to Seattle and Albuquerque? Uh, yeah. yeah is, it, is it loving it? Yeah, yeah, no, he's a pretty well-traveled dog. He's been he's been a lot of places, but no, it's nice out here in Albuquerque. Like we're we're up in the mountains, and we have like a lot of like space, so I can just like let him outside, and he he can just run around, and he loves it. He's he's pretty fit now from the altitude as well, so I might have to enter him in some some races or something. <laughs> yeah. But no, he he's good, and he I mean. Despite he ate my spikes the other day, actually, I like what? took a nap and I woke up and I heard him chewing something. I looked down and the whole front of my spike, like even the plate was just chewed up. And I was like, how did you do that? Um, that? That's actually the only thing of mine that he's ever chewed up since I've had him. So I just kind of thought it was funny. But um, yeah, other than that, he's he's been great. <laughs> He knows that the spikes take up your time. He's like, no, yeah, don't really. Like, this is why you leave me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a question we always like to ask, because sometimes we don't know who to get on. Who would be a great guest to come on to the Two Black Runners podcast? You feel me? Damn. I feel like there, there's so many good people. Um, I think I think Nia would be really good. Nia is super interesting. Like, She's crushing it this year on the track, yeah. but like she's also an amazing like artist. Like she's been releasing songs this year and I'm just like, you are so talented. Like she could be equally as like, you know, or at this level in making music, but she's kind of focusing her time on track and music. So it's just even more impressive to me that she's so good at both. So I think she'd be someone that would be super interesting to talk to. And I think people are, like she's another person that's kind of been maybe a little slept on and she's the way she's looking in practice. She just ran a 24 second 200 at the end of practice yesterday, which is just unreal. She looked so fast. So she's she's ready to rip. And um, yeah, you guys might want to get her on early before, before she blow up. Before yeah, she blow before up. she blows up. Dang. Yeah. How do you feel about too? like, are you excited? How excited are you about the women's 800 right now, too? Because we talk about the women's 800 a lot as well with the thing raven aj high schoolers breaking two nia yeah did she just run 158 at sound yeah. running or yeah. it was a, yeah, yeah. She ran 158 like ali wilson ran 158 like the women's side is is crazy yeah. right now yeah no the women's eight is so deep right now i i mean i'm glad i'm not a, a <laughs> woman trying to compete against them like i think a thing is obviously like you know a once in a generation or once in a lifetime talent if not like you know more than more rare than that like she's gonna go on i really hope she breaks the world record um i don't even think that world record deserves to be there but uh, i'm glad she has keely hodgkinson to like push yeah. her too i think that's gonna like just that battle they're both 
what 20 yeah. so they're going to be battling for the next 10 That's years insane. and i mean they're they're going to get that record and um yeah the the u.s women's eight is just being taken to the next level um it's it's deep it's really deep that's another event where it's like the top three could be just it could be anyone on that day i think there's a woman out there that could run 152 bro what i'm just saying wild things wait what's the record 154 (laughs) but i think that i don't know i feel like someone could run 152 maybe even 151 one day bro like i feel like someone could do that because like a thing could run 49 like she could probably get maybe 40 like 48 on a relay split like bro like she could go out i think you think somebody could break 140 bro (laughs) i don't know if i I don't know that to me i don't know that that's one of the most impressive like world records and i'm obviously biased but i don't know i don't know if that's going to be broken but yeah uh i mean i'd love to see it but that's not you tough survive, one. that's a tough one <laughs> i couldn't imagine seeing 139 on the clock <laughs> yeah not me either <laughs> that doesn't sound real. i might hang up the spikes if i see that yeah <laughs> that's you know to run anymore but no but Isaiah it's been a pleasure man really do appreciate you coming on man it's been chill it's been good good luck yeah. best of luck the rest of your season bro like yeah we're hyped we're, we're gonna be tuned in You're, yeah I'm right it's gonna be it's gonna yeah. be exciting especially if you can get on get onto that team make it back it, yeah the 800 it's wide open I think it's I think you're right it's like it's it's wide open for sure so yeah USA yeah. is it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good race yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a race to watch. But uh yeah, no, I appreciate you guys. It was awesome. Um and I'll see you out. You're gonna be in Portland, right? For Portland Track Fest. Not a hundred percent yet. Maybe, maybe at Portland. Um All right. if, well, if not, Portland, I'll see you at USA's. Exactly. We'll see. Is that, you, is that we'll the only thing you're USA's. doing? That's the only thing you're doing uh left? Yeah, that's my next race. Um and probably my last race until USA's unless I feel like I need to get something in the week yeah. before but most likely just Portland and then on to USA's okay, yeah prime time Portland track festival should be hot too bro so excited to see you drop drop something get to compete with some uh big names again and yeah we know you're gonna be we know you're gonna be Honestly, I think you're gonna be on the one, two, three. I, I, I I'm, a, I'm gonna say it oh, right now. You're gonna be I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on wax. I'm putting it on wax. Isaiah's yeah, gonna be yeah, manifested, man. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna see you at USA's, but then we're gonna see you at Worlds competing too, bro. So appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Yes, sir. All right, thank you guys. Appreciate it. It was fun.